Dr. David Chambers, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. I I know that you are an expert on uh, financial systems and the history of uh, financial systems. In in terms of, of your specialist topic, do you think the current financial crisis could have been predicted historically? The short answer to that is no. Um, when we, whenever we think about predicting uh, a crisis or a boom or a bust, um, th- there are always two dimensions we have to think about. So one is uh, what's the magnitude of the, of the crash or the crisis that's coming. But the second is what the timing of that, of that crisis is. And um, the latter in particular is extremely difficult. Um, one of my areas of research and, uh, and personal interest are the investment activities of John Maynard Keynes. So Keynes, for example, uh, was an extremely active investor in the 1920s, and he didn't see, uh, the great man himself didn't see the 1929 crash coming. He was heavily invested in the stock market. So one might say, if Keynes couldn't spot the crisis coming, then what, what, uh, what chance have we? But there is an old adage, isn't there? If we look to history, we can predict the future. Do you think there were parallels with this crisis in the past? Oh, most certainly there, were, there, are, there are parallels. Um, so uh, one of the, the, the common features of this crisis and uh, what happened in the 1930s, which is why everyone tends to reach back to the, the period of the so-called Great Depression of the 1930s, is the severity of the economic downturn. Um, and the reason that this, is, uh, this occurred both then uh, and it's occurred today, particularly in 2008 and so far what we've seen in, in 2009, is that in both periods there was a de- this devastating combination of a decline, an unexpected decline in prices, particularly asset prices, so that's both... Uh, stock market prices and real estate prices, the combination of this unexpected decline in prices and huge amounts of debt. This was a feature both of the recent past as a result of the subprime crisis, but also what happened in the late 1920s and the early 1930s. And when that happens, firms uh, and banks and consumers can lose confidence extremely rapidly and they start to worry about what's happening with the, the person or the, individ, the, the entity that they're trading with at the other end of a contract. And as a result of that, you can get massive contraction in credit markets. That's what we saw in the 1930s. That's what we saw in Japan again in the 1990s. And it's what we've seen yet again uh, in, this, in this most recent crisis. Um, as a result of that, then you get massive contraction in industrial and economic activity. Now, this is something that uh, we're extremely well aware of, not least because the current U.S. Fed chairman is, uh, is an academic, as we know. His, uh, this is Ben Bernanke, and he has invested a large portion of his academic uh, career in researching this very topic. So people like Milton Friedman told us that contract, you know, banks failing, leading to a contraction of deposits and money supply was bad for the economy, and we knew that. But what has happened in the 30s, and again more recently, is that the economies contracted much more than Friedman, uh, we would have expected from what Friedman told us. And the person who's 
who's filled that gap in our knowledge, really, is Ben Bernanke. So he's an excellent person to have as, uh, as a steward uh, going through the, our current troubles. Well, if we have so many people rooted in the past, but also rooted in, in these uh, high-powered uh, positions of today and the future as well, um, should they be able to set out some do's and don'ts? It seems to me that, that we, we might have known this was coming. We know the past. Uh, we, we know the positions we occupy at present. But what are the do's and don'ts for coping with financial panic? And do, do you think this historical knowledge has helped us cope with it better? I think we can point to instances where it most definitely has. So, uh, again, one of the lessons of the 1930s uh, and uh, more recently in the case of Japan in, in the 1990s is that you really, when a crisis hits you like this, you really do have to concentrate on reflating the economy. Just The government has to step in and get the economy back moving again. And any concerns which might exist about unbalanced uh, government budget deficits or concerns about inflation starting to rise in the future have to be put to one side. Uh, I think that is, a, that is one lesson that truly has been learnt. And one of the most admirable things about this current crisis is the way in which uh, governments, particularly led by the US and the UK, uh, did, did move extremely quickly to try and support economic activity. I think a lesson that's been less well learnt, on the other hand, is the fact that governments really do have to come clean about the extent of problems that existed or exist in the banking system. Uh, the governments of the 1930s, to some extent, could be excused of that because entities like the US Fed uh, were in their, very much in their infancy and didn't have the degree of control that they do today. Um, in the 1990s, a lesson was extremely painfully learnt by Japan because they delayed and delayed in telling people the truth about the extent of problems in their banks, uh, and that undoubtedly led uh, to uh, the, uh, the economic and financial crisis lasting much longer than anyone expected. Um, this time around, again, I think uh, the, the U.S., uh, government has been slow to to come clean, if you like, and have only really latterly recognised the need to do that with these stress tests that they've just put the US banks through. The European governments, excluding the UK, I think, in this case, are still in a state of denial and have not really yet got to the, got to the point of embracing stress tests. Well, I just wondered about that because you said that the US and, and the UK did react quickly to, to the crisis, and some in Europe think that too. But what you seem to be saying is that actually there are still deep-seated structural problems. The crisis isn't over. Yes, I think uh, there are two elements to this. One is to to, to stop uh, the the initial problem, to, to stop this downward spiral in in, in credit contraction. And the odds are that, that, that probably that has been done. Uh, and so in that sense, the rot has been stopped. But uh, the problem that now, now has to be faced is how to engineer this recovery. And with confidence, albeit starting to recover a little bit, confidence still remains extremely fragile. Again, reaching back to the example of the, of the 1930s, uh, after the... After the uh, crash in the crisis of 1929. It took until 1933 for the U.S. Uh, uh, stock markets to bottom. 
during that period of time when the market fell 80%, there were six rallies. There were six times that the market rebounded. So the sort of rebound we've seen in, in uh, markets so far in 2009 is, was not uncommon in the early 1930s. The market, for example, in, in the first half of 1930 rose by almost 50%, only to fall again. So we have to be extremely careful about, uh, about uh, what may prove to be false dawns. Dr. David Chambers, you already seem to be telling me that history is indeed a good portent for the future, that there's a few historical lessons there that can help us um, cope with this present uh, crisis. So, so, you know, you've mapped out the similar circumstances existing in the 30s to now, but can history tell us anything about when a recovery is likely to come, if there may be six false dawns? um, When will the real dawn beckon um, well, if I knew, if I honestly knew the answer to that, then uh, as they say, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be sat in th- here in front of a microphone. I'd be trading away on my screen somewhere. Um, it's extremely diff- difficult to say. I, I would, on a note of optimism, I think in general, uh, we've talked about the case of Ben Bernanke, who's who's studied financial history. Uh, it's reported that Gordon Brown um, also has an interest in this subject. So I think compared to uh, previous generations of, of leaders, uh, people are prepared to, uh, to, uh, to look at the past and try and uh, draw appropriate conclusions. I, I would sound two notes, notes of caution, however. One is that uh, politicians are there to, uh, they feel they're there to represent the, the public and the voters quite rightly. And at periods such as this, when uh, the general public are hurting because they're losing their jobs, they're extremely confused about all this havoc that's been wrought by, by these overpaid bankers, they tend to want to do something. Uh, and this, again, is a feature that's common with the, uh, with the post-1929 situation where there was a whole slew of legislation that followed, uh, uh, followed the onset of the Great Depression. And my, my great fear is that we'll have the same thing again, some of that legislation in the 1930s proved to be extremely worthwhile. So the Securities Acts of 1933 and 34 were, were long overdue uh, and, and were proved to be extremely effective. However, there are other pieces of legislation like the Glass-Steagall Act, which led to the separation of investment banks and commercial banks. It's extremely interesting that investment banks yet again are being singled out as the main culprits in this, in this present crisis. Uh, but my, my fear is that uh, it's far too simplistic to, again, look to legislate and say, OK, we must separate these casino-like investment banks from the so-called utility-like commercial banks. That just seems far too simplistic a recipe. It proved not to be correct with the benefit of hindsight uh, the last time round it was done. And so um, I think politicians need, need to be careful not... Uh, not not to uh, plunge into some sort of knee-jerk reaction to be seen to d- be doing something. Okay, then, um, Dr. David Chambers, what next? If, finally, we have to say, well, where are we in terms of these rescue packages in the US, UK and Europe? Uh, where are we on the recovery curve? It, it, you, you, optimists seem to be saying, well, house prices are rising again. We, we've stemmed to the... the um, crisis the banks were in in Europe you know we're, we're on the way up again is that right um, 
I think the, the, the chances are that we've, uh, as I said, I think a little earlier, that we've, that we've stopped the rot. And therefore, uh, it looks as though economies are bottoming out. Uh, the speed at which we may recover from here, I think, is uh, entirely unpredictable. Uh, and uh, that's for two reasons, I think. One is that the, the extent of international cooperation that's required across governments uh, to continue to support their economies and to support the global economy is a challenge which I think is, is unprecedented in, uh, in, in recent financial and economic history. There are some questions which historians cannot answer in that, in that regard. Uh, and so th- I think this is a real, a real undoubted challenge. Um, the other aspect uh, which, will, uh, which will affect the speed at which we recover, I think, is that there's no doubt that levels of uh, risk aversion amongst investors uh, and businesses have, have increased uh, substantially. And this was, um, again, was a consequence of the, uh, of the period of the Great Depression of the 1930s. For a long time, it, it, so investors like Benjamin Graham, who was the, the famous value investor that emerged from the debris of the 1930s, he would only buy a stock if it ever traded for well below its book value. And this, this was uh, regarded as a rule of thumb in investing until well into the late 1950s. And it very much reflects the mentality that, uh, that you had to be very careful and very risk-averse in investing uh, and, and, and spending your money. And I think this is something, uh, this is a price I think we will pay coming out of this crisis and which may therefore well hold back the rate of recovery. Yeah, so if you convert that to Keynesian e- economy or economics, which you say you've studied, it, it means that actually it may be a slow climb out of this global recession depression. Uh, I think it's likely to be uh, uh, both a slow and a volatile climb, and I think we will have periods where we think that uh, we truly have emerged from these difficulties, only to be greeted by uh, by probably another setback. Dr. David Chambers, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. I think financial history can teach us a lot about the current situation we're in and the future. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure.